are, we are, we are the Nonprofit Collective Podcast, bringing together voices to explore and inspire the nonprofit world. Hi, and welcome to the Nonprofit Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Williams, and today we're going to be talking about going to grad school and getting your degree in nonprofit management. We decided to talk about this topic because many of our peers in the nonprofit industry have asked um, the same question of whether going back to school to get your master's degree is really worth it. We are sharing some stories with you today in hopes that maybe you can gain some perspectives by bringing these voices to the forefront. I also want to recognize that grad school is a privilege. I want to respect the, the fact that everybody who is listening to this podcast will be coming from different backgrounds and privileges, but are asking the same question is, is it worth it? So today we have three interviews to share with you, two that are current students going through a nonprofit management program at two different universities, as well as a professor who teaches in a nonprofit management program. So without further ado, let's talk with Rachel Ruth, who is the executive director of a nonprofit here in New York City. Rachel is also a current student at Columbia University in their nonprofit management program. I'm Rachel Ruth, and I'm the executive director of the Dramatist Guild Foundation. DGF is a national nonprofit that exists to serve writers for the theater through grants, awards, and stipends directly to writers, educational programs across the country, and a free space to rehearse and create here in New York. And when did you decide that you wanted to go back to school and get your graduate degree? So I started... um, I started the process of going back to school in 2016, um, and I graduate in May. So I've been doing the program part-time for two and a half, three years. And I think that I am a big believer in learning in the field. And that was something that I did before I worked in nonprofits, I worked in uh, producing. And so I think that you learn so much from just being in it and working in the field and seeing, you know, what's going on and how you adjust to certain things, looking to mentors in that way. And so I think in like 2016, you know, I'd been the ED for four years. And of course, I was learning from the board and learning from um, EDs at similar organizations and asking lots of questions to make sure um, that we were doing all we could to support our mission. But I also wanted to learn from the field in addition to learning in the field and hear from some experts who'd been doing it their whole careers, people who are just ready uh, and there to answer all of my questions and to structure and look at nonprofits from an academic perspective. I really wanted to take what I've been learning in the field and apply and um, compare with uh, the academic perspective on nonprofits and take uh, and learn from that as well and apply that to, you know, what was working on the ground. And I think that has been one of the most interesting parts is to uh, go back to the theory side of it and also pick up so much of the practitioner side from the various professors who are still working in the field and then and then get to apply that in my day to day. And that's been really interesting. And there's a lot of things that I've seen, you know, that happen just naturally in the field that are that are best practice. And that's 
that is what you want, which is great. And then there's also some things um, on the theory side that you can apply that I've been able to apply to my work uh, to make it better. And can you talk a little bit about what school you chose to go back to get your um, education, why you chose this specific program, and kind of what were some of the must-haves that you were looking at with programs to make sure that you were getting that on-the-field education experience that you were looking for? Of course. I really, I mean, I, as, as EDFDGF, our headquarters is in New York. So I really only looked at graduate programs in New York. And then I just looked at Columbia and NYU, two exemplary schools that I knew had nonprofit master's degree. One of my former roommates uh, got her degree at NYU, which she loved. And my husband is an adjunct professor in their ITP program there. So I sort of thought, well, I should probably go to Columbia. So then we'll have two different alma maters in New York. (laughs) Um, We can do NYU and Columbia. So um, that's sort of what determined it for me, though that's not a very sort of official academic uh, reason. Uh, But looking at Columbia's program, of course, uh, it had everything that I wanted. And I actually applied to the program when it was a fundraising master's in nonprofits. Um, But shortly after I applied and was wonderfully accepted, uh, they changed it to a nonprofit management degree rather than a fundraising management degree, which at first I wasn't sure about. But then in in looking at the curriculum and how they're structuring it, it really is all of the electives I took primarily were in fundraising, um, which is what I wanted to focus on and where I really wanted to take my skills and abilities to the next level. And, and doing a comprehensive overview of nonprofit management is, is really interesting and helpful. Even though I've been working in it, I think there's just so much that you learn going back to the theory behind it. And of course, learning from these experts who have done, who have done this in so many different types of organizations. Mm-hmm. So Rachel, you uh, worked as an executive director of a, an organization and uh, going back to school part-time, I know from my own personal experience is a lot of work to take on as an individual holding a full-time job and doing work, or excuse me, going to school part-time. Can you talk a little bit about how you have juggled that work amount in your personal life and what you are doing to make sure that you're also taking self-care during this time as well? <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, it is, you know, it is a challenge taking on any, any skill that you really want to learn and lean into, of course, is going to demand your time. And so I, I felt like at this point in my career and in my life, balancing with my husband and his schedule, that this was the time when I can devote that to getting my master's. And I think you just have to be you know, you have to be really aware if you have a partner, you need to communicate with them. So I would try to make my classes on Tuesday nights, which is when he was teaching at NYU. So that was a way that we, you know, we were both at school. <laughs> um, and then we could have Wednesday night as a date night. And so I think it is it is just planning. Of course, planning is key with everything. And I really appreciated this, uh, this saying, and I can't for the life of me remember where I heard it, but it was talking about how you shouldn't think about work-life balance because you have to work. Uh, essentially, there's no option not to work. Um, some people get that option wonderfully, um, but most of us do not. And so it's just about life balance. And so thinking about it as life balance and how I'm fitting work and school, you know, and family into it was sort of how 
how, how I thought about the whole, the whole process. And I, and I think with planning against my own family schedules and looking at weekends, you know, it was definitely hard at some points. And I tried to, um, with my work life, you know, the fall is gala season. So I would only take one class in the fall, but the summer is easier. So I would take two classes in the summer and just trying to plan it out so that I wasn't, you know, going more than, you know, 120 hours a week or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think too, that a lot of our listeners are probably at this point of, you know, is, is grad school the right approach for me, especially if they're looking at, you know, going after a career in nonprofit and trying to um, decide, like, maybe should they just go to business school or do another field of study? What do you see, um, you know, you've gotten pretty far in your career at a pretty young age, which is amazing. And you've obviously worked very hard to get to where you are at. What do you think that this degree can bring to you in your career life? Or what was kind of the decision of, you know, I, I, I need to take or I need to get this education to get to that next step, if that was right. part of your thought process at all? Well, I do think there is, because I did become an executive director at a young age, there is an element to wanting to get a master's degree that is sort of like a stamp of approval. And I think a lot of people um, do that when they pursue their MBA or a master's in any you know, field. You, you want that stamp of approval and you want that, that set of skills and that rigor behind you, you know, when you're making decisions, even if you are trusting your impulses as you should. Um, it's great to have the theory and the perspectives behind yourself to inform those instincts. And so I think that's a big part of it. In terms of a nonprofit master's versus business school, I do think at least in the States, that nonprofits are so specific. And though I'm sure one could apply uh, the rules of business school to nonprofits, I think if you're specifically looking to go and be a leader in the nonprofit sector, it's more helpful to do uh, a master's in that in that specific field. And I think that a master's degree, of course, in addition to teaching needs a set of skills, the stamp of approval is like with any MBA or any master's program, the people that you meet. And so I think being around other nonprofit leaders and hopefully thought leaders for this sector is, is a great thing. And they, they may be people that you look at hiring. They may be people that you look at bringing in as consultants for your board or for your projects. And I, I have seen that already start to happen with the wonderful people that I met in the program. Sorry, my board member is calling me. <laughs> <laughs> great timing. <laughs> Yeah, no. So one of the other students that we interviewed for this episode had talked about the importance of professional development and his thoughts on usually nonprofits don't really invest a lot in the professional development of their staff um, in comparison to maybe a more corporate environment that actually has the budgets and the funds to do so. And one of his reasonings for going back to school to get that degree was to invest in his himself and his own professional development. Uh, and just wondering if you uh, have thoughts on that, and especially as a executive director of a nonprofit uh, <laughs> yourself, of where do you uh, kind of see that importance too of those working in the nonprofit industry of taking their own steps towards their own professional development? Of course. I mean, I think in general, in life, 
one must take care of oneself. <laughs> yes. And um, if you, you know, if you want to do something, you should do it or figure out how to do it, how to make that possible for yourself. I think in the nonprofit sector, I hope, though uh, I know it may not be common, but I think it's on the upswing um, professional development for employees. I know that it's something that I'm really committed to and we don't have a, a massive budget to send everyone to get their uh, master's degree in nonprofit management, but looking at um, the nonprofit coordinating committee and the Chronicle and Foundation Center, there are a lot of places that offer workshop free workshops um, and sort of advice on how to build skills in certain areas, as well as looking to board members who who have specialties in certain areas and having them come in and talk to staff or be mentors for staff you know, with all the appropriate constructs that go along with that. Um, but I think there are creative ways to to get professional development for your staff while still being aware of your budget. And, and I do think, you know, working in nonprofits, you know, we do it because we love it and we believe in the mission. And so part of that is that we haven't, we don't have necessarily the same budget that a corporate office would to support an official program, but I, but I do hope that nonprofit leaders are investing in their teams as much as they're able to. Yeah. Yep. I, I hope so too. And I think that it's the industry is shifting a bit in realizing that, you know, staff probably won't stay around so long if there really isn't an investment in their career and growth, the organization as well. So although we are mission driven, you know, we still do want to take care of of ourselves. <laughs> so taking it back to education, I just have a final question for you and then we can get any final uh, thoughts or comments on your side. But do you have a point of view of maybe where the future of nonprofit education, um, especially within the, the post-grad arena, may be going? And what are some of the positives uh, to that future? I mean, I do think in general, um, and probably because I do have a friend who works at Coursera, I think that online education is becoming a big wave of the future and certainly of right now. And our the program at Columbia has shifted from in-person to offering more online classes. And I think, of course, the pros of online classes are that you can do it from anywhere. Um, you don't have to travel, which sometimes costs people money and certainly time, um, which is great. And I think there are certain tools, um, Zoom, which is what we use most often for online courses, does have great tools to do breakout groups and chat and everything. But it really does depend on sort of not only the professor, but also the class itself on whether or not those are interesting uh, online classes. And I think in person, in my own personal experience, in-person classes were more engaging and dynamic than their online counterparts. Um, but there are a lot of advantages to doing it online, of course. And I think hopefully those engagement practices of online courses will only improve as that becomes more and more prominent. I think nonprofit education overall, I hope um, that it's trending to be more of a thing uh, for nonprofit leaders. And I, I, I think, though I don't know, like 10 or 12 years ago when I was getting out of undergrad, it didn't feel like as much um, 
as much of a, a program, the, a master's in nonprofit management. I'm sure that it was uh, in some respects, but I feel like it's it's becoming more and more popular. And I think that's a good sign because nonprofit leaders are uh, leading organizations that in theory and, and I hope in practice, you know, are serving societal needs and, and serving needs in our communities. And I think as government changes, as people are less reliant on church and religious communities, nonprofits really do serve a great need in our society. And so I think that we want the leaders of those organizations to be uh, as strong and powerful and intelligent as they can be and be using the best practices of business um, to serve these these social needs. And I think that's really, really important. And I think it's really important that we put emphasis on that because of all the good work um, that nonprofits do. And I think that, you know, nonprofits sometimes just don't get as much of a prominent position. Being in an ED of a, of a nonprofit isn't necessarily the same as being a CEO of a for-profit company. But I think that just the nonprofit sector maybe only gets noticed when something goes wrong. Um, instead of all the times that things are going right um, and and needs are being met. And so it might be the name, um, nonprofit sector, which I know there's been a lot of dialogue about in terms of why we're, you know, why are we describing ourselves as something that we're not instead of the social sector or um, Robert Ross called it the Delta sector, which I think is kind of interesting, but I don't know if that's catching on. Um, I kind of like that. Delta is the Greek for change, and I think that's really cool. But I, I don't know if that if that shift has yet happened. But I do think that that's something that these programs and universities can also be advocates for if they showcase how how many people are interested in pursuing social social good as part of their career and their livelihood. That maybe that can also shift the dynamic in terms of how we view nonprofits or social organizations in our society. Great, great ending point. And I, for one, have not heard of the Delta sector. So learning something new every day. <laughs> I, I get... Uh, maybe we can get it to catch on. <laughs> but, but understand why uh, this conversation is happening, that uh, we may need to just rethink the branding of the work that we're doing. <laughs> Uh, well, Rachel, thank you so much for your time today and just talking through your decision to pursue a postgraduate degree, your work, and just uh, the importance that you see in pursuing education, especially within the nonprofit world. So I hope that our, our listeners uh, got something out of your story, as always, and um, that, uh, you know, just really excited that we got to bring your voice to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I think it's uh, it's really exciting and I look forward to listening to everyone else's story in the nonprofit sector. What a great interview Rachel gave. Her story definitely inspired me in a way that we all can continue to be our badass selves while going through and investing in ourselves in areas that we find important. Next, we're going to be talking to Mohamed Kahuri, who is a current student at Northeastern University and is also a program director at his local mosque. 
Well, Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us a little bit about your experiences. So do you mind maybe just starting off with telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and where your interest in nonprofit comes from? So my name is Mohammed again. Um, I've been in the nonprofit world volunteering for about a decade, and I finally landed a job uh, doing ministry work at my local mosque as a youth director. And, you know, I, I always wanted to just help out and be involved in the community and studying criminal justice as my, you know, undergrad. I didn't go anywhere with my policing. So, like, I, I always wanted to do something for the community and, and I volunteered. I got involved in the local, uh, you know, youth center and helping with programs and activities management. And it, I always wanted a job being in the nonprofit world. So when I finally landed a job, I realized I didn't study nonprofit, right? So it was a complete shock to me the way things run. So I figured, you know what? Why don't I just go back to school and do something about my education? Let me let me learn a little bit more, right? And uh, that's that's kind of my journey began in terms of entering the nonprofit world and the reasons kind of why I wanted to get my master's. Great. Can you talk a little bit about what you've been learning at Northeastern through this program? So. You know, as I was researching for different, many different schools, um, I think I think the whole question always uh, spun at me is that is it worth it, right? Because you know, though I'm getting my degree, I know eventually it's going to come help me in, in in enhancing my positions and whatnot. But it, you know, I really I really looked research, looked into it. I want to get in the best place. I want to learn more. I want to be engaged. I want to be realistic. So currently, I mean, I with Northeastern. Um, program, I really benefited because, and I'm saying this authentically because the teachers, right? I think Mr. Rick Arrowwood made a huge difference in my class. I mean, he was really realistic about all the assignments. He was like, I was actually literally living what I was learning. So I think it really impacted me the way he has taught his courses and other instructors who really took like real life examples and said, okay, this is how you do budgeting. This is how you create balance. This is how you create policies. And it resonated with me because I was already in the field. So I enjoyed learning. At the same time, it really helped me understand the content better. Yeah. And in your position with, you said it was in the youth program with your mosque, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was a program. Kind of like, I'm kind of like a program director, program manager, because I'm establishing programs, executing them, making sure they're meeting the you know objective and uh, overall organization goals and whatnot. So we, I try to come up with mentorship programs, um, you know, educational programs that will really help them find their identity within the context, like contextual knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. in the faith, there could be many challenges, right? And I think it's important to have, you know, discussions and open space for young people to be engaged, empowered through their faith and finding who they are and also be able to find the identity of American Muslim. Like, what does that mean to me? What does that look like? So I really create programs and activities and space to empower those young people to carry on what they want to do. That sounds like amazing work that you're doing. That's really awesome. Do you talk much with your your kids about going on, or I guess I shouldn't be calling them kids, with with the youth about going on and getting their their education and going through undergrad and potentially on to graduate school as well? I think, you know, like as, as one of the millennials, I guess I can consider myself, even though I'm 36 right now. I think, you know, it's it's skeptic right nowadays with education. Even right now, my wife is going in for her master's in Duke. And when we look at the price range and what we're learning, I'm like, you know, 
I'm not saying that it's not worth it. It is worth it. I think education is worth it no matter what. But my, my thing is, if you're not involved, if you're not in the ground, if you don't have any experience, I think it comes hand to hand. Because I enjoyed my master because I was on the field doing the work and I was able to write my papers. I was able to relate to my content. I was able to relate to my professor's learnings because I was on the ground, right? So, of course, I always talk to them, like, you know, figure out your career and what you want to do. But I think it's important to also realize and recognize if you don't know what you're doing and you're just taking degrees and just graduating and you're not going anywhere, maybe it's not the best thing to do at this moment because you're spending money, right? I think the sh- dynamic and shift is changing within the uh, social, you know, in, in terms of education system. There's a lot of coding schools out there, a lot of boot camps training out there for courses and trainings for people who are trying out and it's working out better. You know, one thing I always tell my students is that you can learn knowledge, right? It, it can become information. But will it be a transformation for you? That's important. No, that's really great advice. And I think that's great advice for anyone thinking to further their education, especially a nonprofit. You know, going through the master program myself with uh, Columbia, but also in nonprofit management, it helped to have my my bearings and my roots and an understanding of just how nonprofits operate. And they are so different from the for-profit world, and yeah. they are so different from uh, just not having work experience as well to really understand the nuances and um, the just special ways of operating that come with a nonprofit. So I think that's a really good point of really, you know, getting your hands yeah. dirty or moving on through to education. So, and I think you may, you know, like you said. What's what's uh, what's that? what I think is that you know it's harder to run nonprofit because I was in the corporate world myself. I think it's easier to run the for-profit world than the nonprofit world because in a nonprofit world you st- you have to go get the funding to run your program, right? It's like you're chasing the fund and you have to make sure your program is successful. It's like double the work. So definitely like my education, if I was to say, did it pay off? Yes, it did. But at the same time, it helped me being in the ground, able to experience what I was learning. I think that helped me also give me the transformation side. So yes, Mm -hmm. um, education is important. Uh, I think right education with the right instructor, with the right teachers, that makes a huge difference. Like I had... Like sometimes I had professors, I'm, it's, they're all about grades. They're all about like if you had, you know, put your references properly. I'm just sitting so worried about my references. I'm not learning anything. I'm always worried about the grading, right? So it's like, I think some of the professors on the nonprofit side, like like Professor Rick and the other, all the, some of the other professors made things easy for me. And I really enjoyed it. I, I did. It did help me. Mm-hmm. Speaking through of worth and, uh, you know, you continue to say that you really feel that this education was worth it for you, that you got a lot out of it. Um, outside of just thinking monetary worth, I, you know, I think the assumption is you go to school, you did get a degree, you're going to be able to further your career, you're going to make a lot more money. Um, you know, in the nonprofit world, we know that a, a salary is not always what is driving our work, that what drives our work is our passion and the impact that we have on the world. How would you measure the worth of your degree if you're not going to tie it to a monetary value? So I think like in my position, what I do is very unique. And uh, when I say it's unique, because within our uh, Muslim community, there's not many established youth directors or youth program coordinators out there. So the value of having masters, like, I mean, just 
you know, few organizations that I have made network with is finding out that I'm getting my master's. They're kind of eyeballing me already, right? So like, is it worth it? I mean, it was worth it for me personally at, the, at, at first. And I kind of had to put my own seed first because in you're a nonprofit, the organization is so focused on themselves surviving day to day. There is, you know, if, they, if your organization is not established and really not working with you to really, you know, take you to the next level. For example, if, you know, if your organizations really do care about you, want to spend money on your education. So I think like, like in, in, in regards to value, I think, you know, if you're offered for a long time, absolutely go for it, invest it because you're going to grow eventually. You know, if you're at a like lower positions, eventually you're going to grow into, a, you know, higher positions. I think that degree is going to come in hand. And I think organizations will value that degree, right? There is something that said about you getting that master's. Um, so I think in my worldview right now, within my paradigm, with my organizations that I've been working with, this master's is, has really, is going to put me to a, like, you know, monitor, in terms of monetary return, it is going to help me to capture the next uh, salary package that I'm looking for or the next position that I'm interested in, right? And I, just as you and I are talking, I'm talking to other, two of the organizations and one of the, you know, lead uh, supervisor was interested because, you know, because of my master's, because I'm completing my master's. So it, it, it is help. It does. It definitely there's a, you know, it helps you, especially in the nonprofit world, because the more educated you are, organization will value you because the organization themselves, if they're not so much coming and helping you to establish yourself, you got to plant your own in the nonprofit world because you have to look out for yourselves. Yeah, agreed. I think we could do a whole episode on the lack of personal development in the nonprofit there world. <laughs> there isn't any, unfortunately, right? And I'm just sitting there, like I, I reach my maximum in my in my uh, current organization, and I'm just sitting there. I can I can just sit next five years, and you know I'm okay with the salary too, but I'm not growing. There is no professional yep. development. I have to seek my own classes, my own. And even like seeking the master's, there wasn't much push from internal uh, institution. It was just like, oh, you should do your master's. Okay, guide me, tell me, inspire me. None of that was available because, you know, it didn't have the capacity to do that. And, and I think you make a good point too, of just getting yourself up to that that next career, looking through the job descriptions that are out there, especially for those that are in C-suite positions at nonprofits. A nonprofit management master's degree is becoming more and more common to see as a education requirement to get into that that, mm-hmm. that next role. It's really great to see that nonprofit management is being taken seriously. Yeah. And yeah, and really hoping to kind of, you know, step away from the the assumption that if you have a MBA or if you know how to run a for-profit business, that you'll also be highly successful in running a nonprofit and really recognizing that it is a separate entity and there is separate education that needs to go into managing a nonprofit and managing it properly. It's a complete different world. I mean, me coming from a for-profit world, I'm like, I was just, I was just stunned and surprised. And fortunately, like the way so the society is set up, it's just like, why is it that good work requires extra work, extra, extra work, right? And you look at all the corporations and the way things are running in social context, it's just like, wow, you know, to do anything good, you got to do extra, you got to go above and beyond your capacity. So yes, definitely the nonprofit world is completely different. I agree with you. Yep. So some final thoughts from you, Mohammed, as we, we wrap up the interview, just thinking about the future of where the nonprofit world is going. Where do you see the future of education going for nonprofit? I mean, I think like 
you know what I grabbed from Northeastern and the way I have realized and recognized the value of the you know the education the education they're providing me. I mean I I am completely satisfied and it was worth it for me. But in in regards to what I see where nonprofit education is going, I think it is going in the right directions in my opinion. Number two, I feel like if it continues, I think it will continue to improve, as I see. Uh, and, I, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of different organizations, a lot of different development taking place. Eventually, people will recognize, like, you know, the nonprofit degree is completely separate. It is needed. It is going to go in a different route. And I think it's important. Again, whatever I have learned, whatever I have captured, like, I feel like it, it's a must need for this kind of education for people who are going to be investing in themselves or investing in the future of nonprofit. In terms of education, definitely, I, I mean, one of my goals is to kind of, I talked to Mr. Arrow, Rick Arrowwood, I was like, I want to come back and teach because I feel like there's so much knowledge I can give input into the university or people that I have experienced in the last 15, 20 years that I've been in the nonprofit world, right? As a, as a volunteer for 10 years, and then again, working for five years and on plus. So that, that's... Mm-hmm. That's kind of my two cents again. Great. Well, Mohammed, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and just to learn more about you and your passion and the work that you're doing at your mosque. And I can tell that you really are passionate about the work that you're doing and passionate about having an education to support and furthering your your passions and your missions for what you want to do for this work. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. I really enjoyed talking with Mohammed because I feel like our interview just took some really cool and unexpected turns and his point of view on the worth of pursuing his master's degree in nonprofit management is a pretty compelling and strong point of view. All right. And last but not least, we will be talking to Rick Arrowwood, who is the associate teaching professor at Northeastern University. Hi, I'm Rick Arrowit. I'm an associate teaching professor at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. I worked in the nonprofit field in various leadership positions. Over the past uh, nine years, I have been teaching in Australia and Vietnam, and it's been an absolutely awesome experience to teach in those countries and to also be engaged with some nonprofit organizations. Uh, I, I am uh, in the nonprofit uh, leadership program. We at Northeastern University have a master's degree in nonprofit management, as well as a certificate degree in nonprofit management. And uh, we have some fantastic students that we love to work with. The program uh, consists of um, really fundamental concepts of nonprofit management. We take it from the point of startup, typically of a 501c3 organization. And then we Uh, work with the students on uh, developing their legal skills, their finance skills, their HR skills, grant writing skills, fundraising skills, development skills. And uh, from there, they get to choose from a variety of programs, typically uh, project management or uh, leadership or social media marketing. So it's a fantastic program. I think one of the uh, great parts about Northeastern University uh, overall is our co-op and internship programs. In addition to that, we provide a great focus on what we call experiential learning. So you're in the program, whether it's face-to-face or online, and each week you'll have your typical sort of discussion boards, uh, typical group activities. But what really changes is that all of our courses have an experiential component 
get to it. So what does that really mean? That means that we're taking the course material and then we're having the students apply it in most cases to real world situations. So I'll bring in various nonprofit organizations at the beginning of the term to meet with the students and then they will work with the organizations over the six weeks on the particular subject that they're focusing on. So for example, an organization may say at the beginning of the term, we need to put together a case statement which we will use uh, in grant applications. And the students will actually work with representatives from the organization throughout the duration of the term and then present that uh, their findings uh, at the end of the term. So I think that's one of our, uh, <clears throat> certainly one of our major distinction, distinguishing um, factors. I think second to that is the type of students that we typically attract. And I always like to say I divide it into thirds. We have about a third of students who are very familiar with nonprofit organizations. They probably work in them or they have worked at them in the past. Then we have a group of students who are interested in joining nonprofit organizations. Perhaps they've had some sort of uh, exposure to nonprofits. And then we have a group of students that are taking some of our courses as electives. And so what you end up with is a fascinating uh, dichotomy of students. In addition to that, they range from highly experienced students, uh, typically in the nonprofit space or in the for-profit space, to students who have just now entered graduate school and have no work experience. So what you have there is a fantastic uh, learning environment where uh, a lot of this information is being passed on and shared. Yeah, that sounds great, Rick. And I, I think Anna and I both experienced similar things too in our education where we were able to have a network with those that uh, had some sort of nonprofit experience and also those that were coming straight out of undergrad and it allowed to uh, provide a lot of different points of views during our classrooms. If you don't mind, could you take a moment just to talk through why do you think getting a degree, uh, especially a postgraduate degree, is important at this point in time? Um, and maybe talking a little bit to our listeners who are thinking about applying to grad school or going after a degree in nonprofit, and uh, what are some things that they should be considering when looking at different universities? Sure. I think um, in terms of why should a student pursue a master's degree in general? Well, the statistics are showing pretty clearly. That is, when you're out in the workforce, employers, both for-profit and non-profit, are consistently looking for students with master's levels degree. So we, we've moved the needle quite a bit over the past uh, 20, 25 years. In terms of the uh, non-profit program specifically, I think that when you're doing a master's degree, you're faced with a couple of choices. One is, do I want to go for a traditional master's degree, which predominantly over the years had been a master's in business administration, so sort of your typical MBA. And while there are parts of the MBA that could be applied to nonprofit organizations as well as for-profits, the reality is I would consider doing a master's in a professional program uh, type format, you know, something that is more akin to what my passion would be. And so I tell students that they should do, uh, you know, a master's in nonprofit organization. Of course, I'm biased because that's my program that I'm predominantly in. But what I think is very important is not to walk out with a degree that only has nonprofit management courses in that degree, right? So I would suggest looking at 
uh, other concentrations. And you know, whether it be in project management or social media marketing or communications or leadership or something to that effect, that will simply complement what you've learned within the nonprofit management program itself, right? So a master's degree strictly in nonprofit management is, is going to provide you with ob- obvious opportunities. But if you can go before a nonprofit organization and say, well, in addition to core fundamental courses in nonprofit management, I also have specialization in project management or in leadership or in communications or, or whatever it becomes. So you become a much more marketable person to that nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take us a little bit off topic just with uh, something that you spoke about um, around having more marketable skill sets, things that uh, you may find in traditional business settings. Do you have a point of view on nonprofits who hire uh, those that have strictly for-profit business backgrounds? And uh, I guess to bring it to education, how getting a master's degree in nonprofit can help us be just as attracted to these positions uh, for those organizations that are looking for maybe candidates that have more of a for-profit background. Yeah. So, you know, when we look at nonprofit organization and sort of their their hiring practices, um, they typically are looking more so for passion. Do you really have a passion to work at this organization? And that becomes really the the question. I think secondary to that is what skill set do you have, what degree you have. And so I think passion is really at the the top of the the scale versus in the for-profit corporations, it's more about what can you bring to us to help us achieve a profit. After all, that's what for-profits do. And I think in the, the nonprofit sector, we, we often examine people in terms of the hiring uh, based upon their passion uh, for the mission of the organization. Uh, and so I think that that becomes becomes key to to sort of understand. I also think that you know when you're when you're in front of a, nor- a nonprofit organization, how you got to that nonprofit organization should be uh, a question. In other words, uh, what what's the affinity for applying to that nonprofit organization? Why are you doing it? Is it because you have a, um, a, a, a interest in in finance, or is it because you have an interest in the mission of the organization and finance. So it, it becomes a, a way, that I think, that you position yourself um, to prepare yourself for that, that nonprofit uh, employment. And at Northeastern, do you do any sort of career preparation for your students? So within the nonprofit management program, we um, are often asked to provide letters of recommendation. So that's sort of the entry point, right? We often get, will, will you do this letter of recommendation for me? And more often than not, we do. But beyond that, um, there are certainly areas within the university that students have access in terms of career services, helping them with resumes. But what we find in the nonprofit management program is because we are so personalized in our delivery that we build relationships with these students. So from an individual basis, we often work with the students. Um, but there's not an actual course in nonprofit management that says, this is how you go out and, and get a job. Uh, and these, these are the skills that you need, right? So, so we, can, we can provide the degree 
um, and as well the, the support services outside of the nonprofit management program, but not really within the nonprofit. What we do find, fascinatingly enough, is within the uh, face-to-face courses or within the online community. If the student proactively engages and builds relationships with their, with their colleagues as well as alums, then that gives them a little more competitive edge for getting into an organization. And, and I see that quite a bit. Fascinatingly enough, I have seen it more so in the online environment and not as much in the face-to-face classes. So for example, right, think about, think about your own experience. You go into a class, you listen to a lecture, you might exchange personalized one-on-one conversation with the two or three people, and then you go home. In the online environment, you're on that online environment really 24-7 throughout the week. And so you're able to make greater connections in the online environment, I believe, than you do in the on-ground environment. And a lot of that has to do with time, right? So I have more time, for example, to read um, discussion posts and learn uh, in the introductions where people are, where they're working, where they worked, where they want to work, those sort of things. So there's a lot of data. There's a lot of information within the introductions itself. You don't get that level of detail in a face-to-face class. Yeah, that's true. And that's really interesting. And this brings two questions to mind that are kind of in opposite directions. Um, so I'll ask both of them and then uh, have you take lead on how, how you would like to answer them. First, you talked a lot about networking and mm-hmm. the importance that this degree and all degrees really have on creating those connections and was just wondering if you could dig in deeper about uh, why having these networks is so important to grow your nonprofit career. The second uh, question would be around online classes, and this is becoming more and more predominant in the education space and your point of view on how online artificial intelligence technology is going to take education in the future. Okay, so I am a strong proponent of networking skills, probably because it's my own style. I'm uh, charismatic. Uh, I'm a connector, so I spend most of my day uh, doing uh, things along that line. Uh, I'm always looking for opportunities to use my own network. Uh, For example, this morning I posted on my LinkedIn account that I was looking for nonprofit organizations to work with for our capstone course, and I ended up with about 50 recommendations. And, you know, to me, that's um, those 50 people or so, they didn't just pop out of nowhere. Those are people that I have interacted with on their social media as well. So when we look at social media being that uh, used for your networking purposes, a couple of things come to mind. One is you have to have uh, a level of discipline. And by that, I mean, you can't just have a network, whether that be an uh, in-person sort of networking or a social media uh, platform for your networking and, and just sort of put it out there and expect people to come to you. What's really important is you, the individual, have to engage with those networks. In other words, you've got to keep working them. And for someone like me who has a pretty large Um, social media uh, network, as well as a large, uh, I'll say, in-person, face-to-face network, it can be incredibly exhausting, Uh, particularly over the years as I have uh, expanded my network to include 
um, Australia, Vietnam, uh, you know, Russia, uh, Europe, the list goes on. Um, and so what's happened is not only has my network expanded, but also the time zones become a challenge, right? So at three o'clock in the morning, I can get a request from someone in Australia when it's their afternoon the next day. And so you got to learn to sort of balance it. So when I say keep your networks active, I'm not only referring to your social media networks, but also your face-to-face networks. Now that takes time and it takes energy. And when I say balance that, you've got to be able to take the weekends off or not respond to things after a certain amount of time. Listen, the Australians have it perfect. You do not send an email after 5 p.m. and you never send an email to a work colleague on the weekend. I love that approach. <laughs> and I wish I could adopt it for myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a great concept. Uh, because, and the reason really is, uh, you know, our, our technology is fantastic, but it's draining us. It's exhausting us. Uh, and so that that becomes something for people to, to really consider, how do I want to use my network, social media or face-to-face in order to grow my career, right? So, What you should be looking for in terms of that would be uh, identifying mentors within your network and staying in touch with people. Now, in terms of online classes, uh, that's certainly one of the areas that I am absolutely enjoying. I cannot say that I began my journey in online teaching positively. In fact, at the end of my first course that I ever taught online, and I had never taken an online course. So here I'm teaching in a brand new environment that was relatively new uh, some 10 plus years ago. And I remember at the end of the term thinking, my ethical side says, send an email to all the students and say, we want our money back. Because my feeling was (laughs) that I had not delivered a quality course like I would have delivered in the face-to-face environment. So I went about a journey, which has now lasted about 10 years, figuring out ways to make that online environment so interactive, so engaging that you would say, you know what? This isn't face-to-face class. It's not the same as face-to-face class. It's better than face-to-face class. And so that's really been sort of my mission, uh, which I certainly try to ripple that mission throughout our whole nonprofit management program to the faculty that teach in the, in the online environment. And, you know, second to that, I think online classes make a lot of sense, but online classes are not for everyone. Some learners need to be in a classroom, having the information uh, delivered to them by the professor. And I get that. You know, some people just do better than that in, in that area. Now, there are other students, however, that excel within the online environment. And and so, you know, I could say I've had students in both the online and the on-ground environment, same students, their interaction face-to-face would be considered minimal. But once they got into the online environment, absolutely incredible incredible difference. So I think that you you have to find the right fit. First, you need to determine, is this online thing for me? And second to that, I think you need to be disciplined enough if you're going to go online and, and have that as your primary source of your degree. What becomes most important in my mind is the budgeting of your time. And the way I suggest for students to do that is much like in a face-to-face course, I recommend that on their calendar that they schedule the class. And they do this in, in a way that, one, reminds them that during this week, 
I need to allocate six hours, seven hours, eight hours, whatever amount of time it is, and they need to block that off on their schedule. What that does is it sends a mental note to say, okay, on Tuesday, this is what I need to do. Because that's exactly what happens in the face-to-face, -face, right? We know that on Tuesday night, there's going to be a class, and it's going to be for this long. In the online environment, you don't have that requirement for synchronous learning. Most everything in the online environment is asynchronous. So I think you've got to be, as a student, you've got to know, can I learn in the online environment? Because that's ultimately, that's what it's all about. And second, am I disciplined enough to budget my time to get the most out of it? Yep, yep. I, I can remember going back graduate and undergraduate doing online classes and having to do that. And it's a, it's a really different form of structure of education. Um, I also think, too, to your point of your, your growing network of the, the different time zones and the different continents and countries where you are making your connections, that online classes also are a great portal to start making those global connections. And as our world continues to become more global, business becomes more global, the nonprofit spaces as well. I think it's a, a great uh, channel to take to make those connections and to just broaden who you know across the globe. Uh, and who knows where those connections will take you in the future. Absolutely. I think that's the catch. Um, you know, just be able to manage the connections. You don't want to just put them on the shelf. You know, you've got to be actively engaged in their life, right? So when, when someone in your network posts something, don't just click like. That's what, something that that drives me nuts. I mean, I'm an, I'm an advocate for all tech companies on all platforms should remove the like button. It, it is so, uh, what am I, it's one of my pet peeves. Like, don't just click like. I want to know what do you think about what I just posted? Uh, give me, give me something, but don't just give me a like. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I'm going to wrap up our interview now, Rick. Thank you so much. And what I, I can take from it today is just by uh, thinking of furthering your education of what this will do in support of your career, building your networks, uh, having a university that's going to support looking for that next step in your career and in your, your job journey, um, and to make sure that you are interacting with all of your social networks and in-person networks to really uh, support building those relationships further. Uh, absolutely. Could, could, I, could I add just one more thing to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very, quick, very quickly, I'm sure. Uh, and that is, don't be afraid of your professors. This is the this is the one thing over the years that I I never understood. Uh, maybe because I was never afraid of the professors myself. But um, one of the things that I find that I think generally students should be alert to, particularly in the online environment, is to reach out, connect with your professor. Uh, that becomes really, really key. One, we want you to connect with us. And, you know, we, we want to be able to make that relationship with you. Uh, the worst scenario is that I teach an online class and I've not interacted with a student. Uh, that, I, that I can't imagine doing. So I think that's something that uh, proactively online students as well as on-ground students ought to be doing. 
connect with those professors because most likely they're the key to your networking and and they're the key to your career. So you're you're paying money to be at that school. They're there to help you. Absolutely. Yeah, I I can't uh, you know the professors that Anna and I have experienced through our own program have been huge champions of where we're going, a huge champions of this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and just are big supporters of the work that all of their students are doing. So absolutely agree. Make friends with your professors. Um, and I've, I've heard great things about you too, Rick, as a professor and your engagement with the students as well. Oh, thank you. That's good to hear. I totally, uh, I enjoy my work. It's not really, it's not really work. I, whatever it is, it is that I do. Uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I love yeah. It. You can, you can hear the passion which is great so i think that we're gonna gonna wrap this up rick thank you so much for your time and talking with us today and uh talking to us about your passion in in education in the nonprofit world and all the different facets that we spoke to and i i think that it was interesting for me and i hope that our, our listeners are able to get something from this as well Okay, I I hope that you all enjoyed Rick as much as we enjoyed talking to him and are very excited to have Rick be a new part of the Nonprofit Collective's network. So I hope that you all were able to take a bit from these stories to put to your own stories. And we would love to hear any feedback that you have. Or if you're interested in us digging deeper into other topics of the nonprofit world, please feel free to get a hold of us through Twitter or through Facebook. We can be found at NP Collective Pod. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.